Last week, I shared that I would be talking about sex, relationships, and dating after trauma. While I did plan to upload a solo episode, I ended up filming this episode of Liz from Resiliency and Running and thought that it would fit in perfectly. I'll still record a solo episode about this topic and release it soon. Liz Newcomer is such a great person and friend. She describes her show as relationships, career, and all things running. Liz has a really inspiring story of overcoming her coping mechanism of drinking and turning to running as her form of therapy. She is running the London Marathon this year, and honestly, kudos to her. That's so cool. In this episode, Liz and I discuss her experience with sexual trauma, the key moment when everything changed for her, her messages for listeners who have been sexually abused, how forgiveness comes into play with sexual trauma, what her recovery journey looks like, and much more. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Of course. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this because sexual assault and trauma are so important and they really need to be talked about. We need to take away the stigma. I agree. I agree totally. Yeah. So what is your experience with sexual trauma? Yeah. So I have had the experience of being sexually assaulted um, and it happened during my college years. And so my second year in 2016, um, I remember the exact date just because I think if anyone else has experienced sexual assault or trauma, I think that that date always just sticks in your head. So it was February 6, 2016. And yeah, I was sexually assaulted, but then I went and pursued a Title IX case at my university. And then I ended up winning after a year and that person got expelled. Um, But it was a very long journey. And I think there are a lot of different um, elements to it that I think we're gonna discuss in this episode that I think a lot of um, survivors can relate to, but I think that there's not just a lot of like discussion around it. So I'm really happy that we're kind of opening um, the doors to this today. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that and being, you know, so vulnerable. It must, it's not easy to relive these situations, you know, but hopefully it helps listeners out there. So what were some of the mental effects of that experience? Yeah, um, it was definitely very mentally tough around just, um, I think that there's definitely a a blame on yourself, I guess. And you, I thought that's what I experienced in the very beginning and kind of blaming yourself for it happening and blaming yourself for wearing certain clothes that night and blaming yourself for drinking too much and just like the list goes on. Um, But, you know, I think eventually I learned, you know, it's not your fault and it never is your fault. And, but I think just initially it was really hard mentally just to kind of accept myself and kind of say, okay, like this wasn't my fault, you know, 
And I think just also being able to come to terms with labeling that situation as sexual assault and using such big words to label it was really hard. Um, And I think especially going through that case and just like you said, telling, having to tell your story over and over is really tough and going through details um, using, you know, words like, I don't know if you can say on on your podcast, but um, feel free to edit it out, but um, like penis and vagina and just like things like that, that are just like, it just like, it gets really into the intricate details of that um, event. And I think But I think over time, I really built a lot of resilience from, you know, going through that and especially being able to be lucky enough to win a case, let alone, you know, go through one. Because I know that so many women and men, you know, try to come and have like create a case or make a case, but they're always told, you know, your case isn't good enough. You don't have enough evidence. And so I I feel really fortunate to have um, had things go the way that they did for me. But um, I think that there are just a lot of long-term effects as well that just over time really just took time to heal and heal through therapy um, Mm -hmm. and kind of being able to like trust men again and not just, you know, that specific person, but just men in general and not feeling the overwhelming anger and um, just frustration with all men at all time. And that was something that I really dealt with in the beginning, but over time, it was something that you kind of, you know, you relearn and you also just relearn how to be physical with someone and how, you know, not to go back to that place. I think that that was something that I experienced with like, I went on one date and it was my first date since the sexual assault. And I just remember he went in to kiss me at the end of the night. And as soon as he put his hand on my back, it was like, I got sent back to that night for some reason. It was just, you know, being able to kind of, you know, re mm-hmm. like relearn and like be okay with like what you once enjoyed and learning that, you know, like finding fulfillment in it again and not being fearful of it. There are just so many different um, psychological elements to sexual assault that I think um, aren't talked about. Totally. Wow. That sounds really challenging, but it seems like you've made a lot of progress. Yeah, definitely. There's so much that we could go on about here, but I really want to talk about trusting and rebuilding trust. Tell me more about what that was like for you and how have you overcome some of the challenges with that? Yeah, I think there's definitely a feeling of like feeling discarded, especially like after going through sexual assault and kind of seeing how someone could like treat you and treat your body and really just like almost like discard it and be like, you know, done with it. And I think over time I've had to learn that for me, it's really important to establish more of a, more of like not a relationship, but just something more meaningful than just someone that you meet on a night out. Because I found that that was when I felt the most hurt is when you meet someone out of, you know, a whim or something on a night out. And then if you go home with them and then you don't really have anything established or built after that, it kind of has very similar feelings. And so I think for me, there is definitely, it was kind of a fighting me fighting between like 
wanting to feel wanted, but also fighting that feeling of like, again, feeling discarded, like again and again. Yeah, totally, totally. It's such a horrible feeling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just curious, did it feel to you ever, I feel like it's especially right after it happens, it's like after I got violated, it felt like just like someone took a piece of my soul without my permission, right? And it's like the one of just the worst things that anyone could feel, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's like rebuilding trust in people after that that's so hard you know what's like one thing like that you would recommend to someone who might be trying to rebuild their trust in being around people again yeah I think it's really hard and like I went through really weird situations um like for example I was in a chemistry class after it happened and my um, teaching assistant was a guy and there was nothing about him that was rude or provocative or like he wasn't like being inappropriate in any way but I was just I had so much built-up anger every time I went to that class because it was a guy and I remember one day just feeling like we were like in a chemistry lab and I had to leave the room for a second because I was filled with so much anger and I think that you know, there was a part of me that wanted to blame every guy I knew for what happened. And so I think building trust just takes so much time. And it really starts with like, building out who's in that first circle and like those really close knit friends and family and like, the really strong support system, because you need people like that to remind you that it's not your fault. And that was something that I had to be reminded of all the time. And when I was going through my case, I like, I don't know why I would feel like guilt because I think that that feeling of like the blame feeling comes back. But my friend, one of my friends always reminded me, you know, think of it as like, if it happened to me, if he did what you did to me, how would you react? And I said, I would be furious. I would be angry. I would I would want justice because that's not right. And she said, Mm -hmm. you know, so why can't you feel that same way for yourself? And I think that maybe it's like, you know, in selfless people where you kind of like put others above yourself and maybe it has something to do with that. But I think for quite a while, it, it was really hard to like practice self-love, but I think that that's one of like the first and like foremost things that you have to like acknowledge is that like you yourself deserve so much love right now because you just went through something so traumatic and and like therapy as well was something that was so key in like my recovery and just and I I remember specifically um my and I because I just went through the university to get a therapist and they asked me do you want a male or a female therapist and prior to that, I'd only ever, I'd only ever had um, a female therapist, but I told myself, I know that 
right now, men make me really uncomfortable. And that's something that I really want to work on. And so I actually ended up choosing a male therapist because I wanted to, I wanted to create a good and positive relationship with a stranger and like, you know, guy that I didn't know for once. Cause like, it wasn't like I hated my dad or my brother, but it was just that I hated every guy that I passed on the street and like every guy that you come into contact with at the grocery store and like, you know, all these different places. And from the first meeting, he said, you know, I can tell that you're really uncomfortable because you, you haven't been able to keep eye contact with me like at all this first session. Um, but over time he really helped me, um, in just kind of establishing different like cognitive behavior. It was more like cognitive behavior therapy where we kind of, you know, thought through exercises and different situations that might make me anxious um, and situations that trigger certain emotions or feelings in me. And he helped me, you know, build and kind of talk through like how, you know, I wanted to react and versus how I'm currently reacting. And um, yeah, I think that that was, seeing a therapist was like, a very important part in like being able to get to where I am today. But I think, I think first and foremost, like self-love is such an important thing. And as cheesy as it sounds, I think it's one of the hardest things to practice after going through something traumatic. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of really good points in there. Seeing a therapist, giving yourself love, practicing self-love. What has your self-love journey looks like it's been very rocky and it's been I think it's you know it it maybe looks like if you were to put it on like a trajectory map it would look like a scribble because like some days are good some days are bad Um, and then like some parts of your life depending on where you are who you're dating what you're going through it can be it can look so different um, to like where you are today versus like five years ago or something. And I think, you know, over time it's been, I've learned to appreciate how much I've come, um, like how much I've come through or like gone through, I think over the years. And I think reminding yourself of all of the hardships that you've overcome, no matter if they're big or small, um, I think it's just really important because it helps you develop gratitude towards yourself because I think a lot of like self-help books have you you know write down three 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 things you're grateful for or like three good things that happened today and sometimes people resort to well I'm grateful for you know my boyfriend or I'm grateful for my parents and like all that stuff can be important but I think that people don't tend to put down like you know I'm grateful for myself and I'm grateful for, you know, being able to wake up today and being in a good mood and being able to maybe like take a bath the night before and just have Mm -hmm. like an evening to myself and just like different things. And I think being able to kind of appreciate and like give yourself back the respect that you lost, I think um, there's definitely an element in that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah self-love the self-love journey for anyone isn't easy but especially after going through sexual trauma it's just a whole nother ball game Mm -hmm. there's like really high highs and really low lows yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important, like you said, to take time to really appreciate yourself. And yeah, it definitely makes a big difference when you start to really put yourself on a in a place where rather than just focusing on the other people around you, but actually focusing on your well-being too. Yeah, I agree. It seems like as women, our job is kind of, well, we feel like it's our job to take care of other people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we also definitely, not even sometimes, we always need to take care of ourselves. Yeah. You mentioned like gratitude and things like that. How do you think forgiveness ties into sexual trauma as well? Yeah, I think that was a really big element that took some time to come to terms with. And I'd look at it, I look at it from two perspectives. So there's the perspective of being able to forgive the other person. And, you know, it doesn't have to be an outward, verbal, physical forgiveness of anything, but it's something that you come to terms with in your own mind, heart and well-being, as well as like forgiveness towards yourself. Um, and just going back and circling back to that self-blame thing. Um, and so I guess in the first instance, it's, you know, looking at something that's really traumatic and, you know, how can this person do this to me? And in, in my situation, it was someone that I knew, someone that I worked with, someone that I went to parties with, someone that I like considered a good friend. And so from that perspective, it's like, you know, you're now a completely different person. I can't believe you would do such a terrible thing to me. And, you know, and I think it's, it's being able to look at that situation. And because I don't think that you can really move on until you, and maybe it's different for some people, but for me, I just had to come to terms with it myself that especially because I knew that person and maybe it's different if you didn't know the person that sexually abused or assaulted you. Um, I think that I needed to, there was some part of me that needed to forgive him in my mind and in my heart. Um, and, and I think I just needed to kind of look at it and say, you know, while I'm so angry and I'm so furious at him and I want nothing to do with him ever again. And I, I don't want anything, you know, I, I had a whole like sexual assault protection order. Like he couldn't be within 500 feet of me. Um, and it was like a court order, but there was still a part of me in my mind and like heart that had to forgive him. And it may just maybe also be like a spiritual thing for me. Um, you know, just coming from like a faith where like, you know, Jesus forgave me, um, and like God forgave us and that sort of a thing. So I don't know if it's like a religious or spiritual thing but like for me that was kind of important and like Mm -hmm. a vital part in like my recovery but I think more importantly um it's just forgiving yourself and not blaming yourself not blaming yourself for the clothes you wear um you know what you were drinking that night you know where you were who you were with there was nothing that could have prevented that from happening other than that person you know just making better decisions And so it has nothing to do with like you, you should be able to live freely and you should be able to make your own decisions. And 
you know, you shouldn't have to like walk on eggshells and you shouldn't have to look at yourself every time before you go out and say, you know, is this too, is this dress too short? Because like, it might get me like, you know, sexually assaulted. Like that's just like an insane question to even ask. Um, and that's not something that women should be asking themselves. And that's what I hate so much about some of the stuff that's in the media is like, you know, it's because of the clothes that you wear and it's because you drink too much. And no, it's not like, women should be able to go out and feel safe, you know, no matter what the situation, if, if you're walking home at night, if you're at a party with friends, if you're at a party with people you don't know, you should feel safe and there's no question about it. And so I think it's, you need, there's a part of it that's just like, you need to be able to look at that situation and like forgive yourself and say, there wasn't anything that I did intentionally to put myself in that situation and ask for that. I never gave consent. I never asked for it. And just being able to kind of like, I think I had to tell myself that over and over. And that really helped in like that self-love journey is being able to like forgive yourself and give yourself back some Mm -hmm. of that love and some of those pieces, like you were saying that that person took away. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of aspects to it, isn't, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. It's like something that is a long process for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But definitely, like you mentioned, having two parts about forgiving the person and then also forgiving yourself. It's so, it's such like, it's so easy to go into a loop or a pattern where you're just like hating on the person, hating on the situation and hating on yourself for putting yourself in that situation, you know? But ultimately we learn from our life experiences and they shape us into who we are for better or worse. But yeah, I definitely agree that forgiving yourself is so important and that we shouldn't we shouldn't worry we should feel safe yeah for someone who might have been sexually abused recently or in the past what's something that you would want them to know um i would want them to know that right now is probably the toughest part of the recovery journey i think that that first year. And like I mentioned, like my title nine case was a year long. I was probably one of the toughest years of my life and arguably almost as hard as healing myself from anorexia, from an eating disorder and just feel it feeling like impossible every step of the way. Um, I went through a lot of really, really tough nights where I would turn to alcohol quite a bit and um, use it to suppress a lot of the emotions. And it was a coping mechanism that I had um, for sure. Um, And it was was tough because, you know, you, you're trying to look for answers and you're, you're waiting for things to get better. And I think in that first year, it's like, you get these little glimmers of hope and these glimmers of like, okay days and like some good days but I think that 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 trauma just acts like such a rain cloud 
um, over you, especially that first year. And it's really, really hard. But I think I think that that's like the time that you need to be practicing the most grace and, you know, hopefully developing like better habits than I had and, you know, doing things like journaling and, um, you know, painting or going for walks or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe getting a pet or something. And like, just like trying to like fulfill that hole that you feel. And like, I think that's just how I felt for so long. It's just like, you know, what have I done to like get to this point and like to have what happened to me happen. And so I think it's really just being able to like take that self-love and like multiply it times 10, because I don't think that there is any other point in your life where, where you would need it more than like that first year. And like, especially in the first few months and, you know, don't, don't suppress it. Don't blame yourself. Um, and like definitely hundred percent, I think therapy is, you know, such an amazing, um, opportunity just to talk through those things, you know, and it kind of like over time, you become a lot more comfortable with sharing a little bit more and a little bit more. Cause I know how hard it is to, you know, share in that first instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over time that also just helps you as a survivor, build your resilience and build your strength so that you can confidently tell your story. Like it's been five years since my sexual assault and I can, I'm able to like sit on my podcast and share openly and freely about what happened, but I could not do that in 2016 or 2017 because those are when all I could do was cry and break down and have nightmares that he was like outside my window and like going to attack me again. Yeah. And there's just so many psychological aspects to it that I think therapy is such a caveat in. And, um, and, you know, I think also just like speaking with like it being mental health awareness week and just like, if things like, um, you know, antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication help, like maybe that's an option as well. Like, I can't tell you how anxious I felt in that year. And like, maybe anti-anxiety meds would have been better for me than the copious amounts of alcohol that I was drinking and, you know, just like killing my liver with. And, you know, I would just like in those anxious bouts in those anxious moments, I would, you know, go to the liquor store, go buy more alcohol, go out with friends. And I would cover it up as like, you know, I'm going to go out with friends, but really it was like, I'm trying to suppress these really traumatic feelings and absolutely instances that, you know, actually should probably be talked to with a professional. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Drugs and alcohol are like, such an easy go-to huh yeah yeah and it's like a pattern it's like we start to feel it come up and it's like oh I'm just gonna do this again you know I'm just gonna run away from it yeah yeah and in my experience I actually ran away so hard that I almost died multiple multiple times so Mm. Yeah, I would recommend that someone get their help 
in a healthier way than we had to than we coped with it for sure definitely one thing that I wanted to ask about you mentioned that this was someone who was relatively close to you and you knew one of the things that I had a challenging time with was pressing charges and speaking up about it because this was someone that I knew and I'm like a the most loving caring person and I wouldn't want to like damage somebody's name or like get them in trouble or even ruin their relationships with some other people that I know but then at the end of the day it's like this person did that to me so how how tell me about that how was that for you and overcoming that yeah yeah this was probably one of the hardest things about my case was that it was very open and especially being like we knew each other because we were both in the Greek community so like he was in a fraternity I was in a sorority he was the president of his fraternity he was the captain of the boxing team and da 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 and I can't tell you how many negative comments and glares that I got and just like all of those people in that fraternity stopped talking to me There were people that when I went out for drinks with friends, they would say, oh, well, she's just doing this because she wants attention. And she like, it would just be like excuse after excuse, but all to stand up for him and like make him shine the light on him. And I think, you know, I definitely felt the same way that you did in the beginning. And it was scary to even like, I think there was something that was like, the first step of the whole case was signing a no contact form where it was an agreement between him and I that said, we're not allowed to contact each other no matter what. But it was also like the first notification that he would get that I am coming at him and like pressing charges for this case. Um, But like charges being like, you know, I want justice from this university system for what happened to me. And so it wasn't like a court system. I only took it to court after because I was afraid of what he might do to me. So I did go to a court system to get um, a SAPO, which is a sexual assault um, protection order. So basically was like, if he came within 500 feet of me, I could call the cops and he could be arrested right there on the spot. Um, But there is definitely an element in the beginning, like I said about, you know, I, I didn't want to tarnish his name. I didn't want like he ended up getting expelled. He was like right at his last senior year. He was about to graduate um, with a business degree and all this stuff. He probably had his whole life set up for him. But what I found out in that case was that he not only did that to me, but to another girl. Um, and he actually brought that up and was trying to say, oh, well, I know what consent is because this has been um, an accusation that's been made against me before. And when my case um, investigator looked further into it, it was that this girl had made, tried to make a case against him and didn't have enough evidence. And so it's, it really comes down to having to be selfish for about yourself for once. And I think that, like you said, a lot of women struggle with this and we want to take care of other people and we want to put other people first, but this is, this is one of those situations where you have to be selfish and you have to say, what happened is so wrong and I'm not going to stand for it. I'm not going to let it, you know, just like 
fly by. Like, it's not cool. And, you know, regardless of what happens to him, he needs to learn that what he did to me that night was not okay. And, you know, it's also, it's also about just thinking like futuristically and like how many more women would he have done that to had I not stepped in and made a case and like, and then like finding out that he had done this to a girl before and just these people who are, you know, rapists who are abusers, it's not just with one person, you know, like, it's not just like they do it to one person and then they like get it out of their system. Those are people that have a serious issue and they need to be stopped and there needs to be justice in some sort of way. And those people who were victims, who were abused, who, you know, they just happened to pick that night. It's not, it's not fair. And so I think it's really being able to, you know, regardless of what people say, regardless of what friend circles get ruined, whatever relationships get severed, what I like live by now um, in like so many different like aspects of life is just like, if people are going to look at me negatively for my, you know, life decisions, if people aren't going to support me, those aren't people that I want in my circle. Those aren't people that I want in my life um, because it's a privilege to have access to me. And I, I think that that's something that's really important. It's just like, you know, as much as I feel like I've been totally like torn down and like, I feel like someone's taken a part of me, it's still vital that I have a support system. And I know that I will, but I'm not going to let these negative people be a part of it. I'm not going to let people who think that I'm just here for attention be a part of it because those are, those are people that are just so emotionally stunted and immature that you can't grasp like what is actually such a massive issue that occurs all over the world every day. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's really hard at first, but it's something that you really learn over time. Yeah. Yeah. In these cases, it's definitely important to be a little bit, it's it's hard to believe that would even be selfish, but Mm. putting your own self first. Yeah, it's so important. And I'm really glad that you got justice. And not only that, but finding out about that other girl. And it's only like, imagine what would have happened if he got was in a position with a lot more power. Yeah. 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 People, people who intentionally violate other people. And it, I think that those people are just the worst kind of people. And we have to live on with the aftermath of what they did to us and they get off on that. It's just terrible. Yeah. But I'm really happy for you that you've been able to come to a place where you're so strong and courageous enough to speak out about it. And, you know, hopefully this episode reaches someone who really needs to hear it. Yeah, I definitely hope so. What, so what is, was there a key moment for you in the process and the journey where you might've just like had like sort of maybe an epiphany where everything changed? Yeah, um, I think definitely 
that friend that I spoke about earlier, um, and this happened like one time that she kind of like gave me this perspective, but when she kind of shifted it to kind of put her in my place instead of me in that trauma and, you know, asked me like, what do you think of it now? Because like prior to that, I was, you know, very similar, um, like in those feelings of just like, you know, I don't like, I'm not that type of person that like outwardly goes to try and like ruin people's lives or start drama or, mm-hmm. you know, be cruel and bully people. Like, that's just like, that's not me at all. Um, like I'm someone who like definitely loves to put people first and I love to do things for people and like nurture people. Like, you know, I think it's just like a girl thing, a woman thing. And I think as soon as she kind of said, look at it from this perspective, what if he did what he did to you, to me? And she's someone who is still a very close friend of mine. And it's just like, I think that I took that anger that I felt in that moment and just like tried to carry it and remind myself of it because that's really how you should be viewing yourself. Because I think in that moment, I also realized that I don't give myself half the amount of love that I give others. And I think, you know, we, we spend so much time giving love to others, you know, spending time with others, planning for others and like that sort of a thing that you kind of forget to do a lot of that for yourself. And so I think it was just really interesting to see how angry and like, you know, furious that I got think just thinking of that and then thinking, why can't I even like think of, you know, do that for myself or like think of myself as that and just like, you know, get as angry and as riled up. But like, I think that that's what really helped me in some of those last um, parts of my case. And there are points where I had to face his lawyer where he would, his lawyer would ask me um, just terrible questions, inappropriate questions. But, you know, just, I think that like over time, because it was such a long drawn out case, um, over time, you know, you really, I think it was also just like the repetition of telling my story over and over again to these people. It just becomes more and more clear that what happened was not okay. And what happened wasn't your fault. And that you, that I was in that moment fighting for myself um, and any woman that would have ever been hurt from him um, in the future. And so I think it has just so much to do with like, you know, being able to give yourself half the amount of love that you give others and just, um, and yeah, just being able to like see it from like that lens maybe and just like Mm -hmm. see how you feel then. Because like, if you, if you feel like, you know, oh, I don't want to do anything, blah, blah, blah. Think about what he would, what would, how you would feel if your best friend was in your shoes that, that day, that evening, that morning, whatever that was and take how you feel, write it down and like remind yourself and like remind yourself that like that is like what the kind of like reaction you deserve. Not people who think that you're lying, not people that think that you're doing this for attention, but people that wanna get angry for you, that wanna stand up for you and fight for you. Yeah, yeah, that's really good advice. Some people, it could help them a lot to picture in somebody else's shoes because maybe they just don't value themselves enough right now or they just don't, yeah. you know. So, yeah, that's really good advice. 
in terms of sexual abuse, overcoming challenges, forgiveness, and everything like that, are there any final messages that you want to give to listeners? Yeah, I guess just if you're in like the early stages of, you know, just having had experienced a trauma, um, just take it day by day. And, you know, especially when like you have days where like things feel impossible, it's okay to lie in bed all day. It's okay to cry a lot. It's okay to take, you know, a lot of baths, a lot of bubble baths, like, um, and just cry. Because I think that, you know, if you're, if you're actually confronting your emotions, um, I think that that's a vital part. Um, instead of suppressing them with things like drugs and alcohol, like you're talking about, I think that a big part of it is really being able to come face to face with those emotions yeah. and face what happened because as much as like you did face what happened that night and you weren't expecting it there's a lot of trauma and aftermath that you still need to face and you still need to deal with um and the I think that the the faster you do and I'm not saying you know you need to do it now but just like the more that you do the work um on yourself and you know you do the right things and you know, not the drugs and alcohol, but like the journaling and like the art or the, you know, whatever makes you happy. Um, and the more that you spend the time, you know, facing those feelings, um, and that can even just look like crying, like, but at least you're not suppressing them and you're not like shoving them down. And I think the best analogy I've ever been given is like when you try and push any sort of a ball down in like a big body of water and like, the further that you push it down, the quicker that it comes up to smack you back in the face. And so you're kind of just prolonging that ball coming straight back into your face. And so I think it's being able to be in like the best mindset possible, despite like the circumstances, but like creating the healthy environment to welcome those feelings, um, acknowledge them, feel them, write about them. But then like, you know, day by day, things do get better. Um, and I think this was something that I did like a podcast episode about and just like year by year, I noticed how it did get a little bit better. And I have friends who have also unfortunately been sexually assaulted, but um, some friends who are just in that first year mark. And I, I always tell them that's when it's the hardest. But I can tell you that by year two, this is how I felt. And by year three, this is how I felt. And they're not like dramatic differences, but I can say that between year one and year five, big difference. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, I had to come to terms with like, yeah, I need to face this and I need to do the work and I need to make sure that I'm gonna be okay for the future because I'm not gonna let what happened and what he did to me linger over me forever. and. I'm going to, I'm going to persevere and I'm going to move on. I'm going to become the strong woman that I know I am, you know, yeah. and there's nothing about, there's nothing about that event. Like, yes, it was terrible. And yes, like it's a date that I'll never forget, but if anything, it's made me stronger and it's made me a bigger voice and a bigger advocate for women that have gone through this 
women and men. And, you know, I just hope that one day we can get to a place where everyone knows what consent is and everyone practices consent and everyone, you know, wants people to be safe because a safe world is, it seems impossible and unimaginable, but, you know, that's just, that's the only hope that we can have, I guess. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Liz. Really, it really touches my heart too. And I'm sure it'll touch the heart of a lot of listeners. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. It's true that it's really difficult in the beginning, but it does get better. It gets better. (laughs) It's not like it ever truly goes away. Maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's still, it's not like I'm like, I have had a whole lifetime of healing from it, you know? Maybe it does get a lot, lot, lot better, but you know, yeah, we give it's so important to give ourselves grace for yeah. sure. Where can listeners find you and get in contact? Um, yeah. Um, so I have the podcast has an Instagram. It's just at resiliency and running. And then a website as well is just www.resiliencyandrunning.com. And there's a lot of links and things there um, and definitely ways to get in contact with me. Um, I am a completely open book. I respond to messages that I get, you know, via email or Instagram, because I think it's important. um, And that's why I share such vulnerable things on my podcast, because I think yeah. You know, if you can, if you can be the voice for someone who doesn't feel like they can use their voice, I think that that's really important. And I think if I can be that voice for anyone, then I'm happy that I can, because it's taken a long time to get to where I am today. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if people want to talk, if people want to talk about, you know, what happened or ask me any more questions. Um, I am, I am an open book and I, I think that this topic is so important and I'm so glad that we got to talk about it today. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm really glad that I'm really glad as well that we were able to talk about it. Like, like we said in the very beginning, it's so important and we need to take away the stigma. We need to talk about it. So many more people are dealing with these challenges than, you know, we, we might ever know because a lot of people just feel so shameful to come out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today with me, Liz. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really, truly appreciate your support and I'm so so happy that you're here with me along this journey. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can find Liz on Instagram at resiliencyandrunning, visiting resiliencyandrunning.com, and I really recommend that you tune into her show, Resiliency and Running, on your favorite streaming platform. In next week's episode, I will discuss the importance of gratitude. Also, just want to let you know that I've been really, really so busy filming tons of interviews for you. 
I probably have about two to three months worth of content now of just interviews alone. It's insane in the best way how things really come along with consistent effort. It's almost as if people just flock to me now. I love it and I love you. If you're not yet, I would feel so happy if you subscribe to this podcast and followed me on Instagram at Dear Lovely Universe. It lets me know that you enjoy the content and inspires me to keep making more. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll talk to you next week.